We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. Though today, this isn't really the New York Giants football podcast. This is the NFL Predictions podcast. Me and Nick are putting on our prognosticator hats. We're going to try to walk you through our picks for the NFL season. We're going to go with our playoff picks, our division winners, our entire playoff bracket, and Super Bowl picks. And then we're going to go by each team's over and under win total by Vegas and make our picks there. So, Nick, let's start with our playoff prediction. Let's start with our division winners, actually. Okay, let's start with our division winners. I'll give you my division winners for the NFC, and then you give me yours and we can discuss the ones that we disagree on. How about that? I am picking the Eagles to win the NFC East, the Bucks to win the NFC South, the Packers to win the NFC North and my one or my second. So the Eagles are different. The Cowboys won it last year. My second change is that I'm picking a sleeper to win the NFC West, the 49ers. Mine is kind of similar. There's one difference though. I have the Eagles winning the NFC East for the North. I have the Packers for the West. I have the 49ers. And then for the South, I have the saints. So I put the saints up there. Let's start with the, contrarian pick that we both had the 49ers not many people are picking the 49ers to win the division most people are picking the rams my outlook on why i think the 49ers won the division is that i think trey lance is going to be a lot better than people realize it may not happen week one it may not happen week three or four but by the time we get to that mid-season point i think he's going to give them an absolute edge over what jimmy garoppolo can offer I personally believe Jimmy Garoppolo was a full-on system quarterback. I think that Garoppolo was bailed out entirely by the coaching and the system by being able to run off play action, throw back quickly to Debo Samuel at the line of scrimmage, go off play action, hit his back foot, and just go to that first read. He is an okay first read thrower because he has a quick release, but Trey Lance is going to give them so many more opportunities to work in a vertical element to that passing game that simply wasn't there with Jimmy Garoppolo. And there were so many times where Garoppolo was forced off platform and threw the ball insanely inaccurately with horrific ball placement. Trey Lance has so much more arm talent than that. He's not going to complete all those, but he's going to make plays that aren't there when he's forced off platform. In addition to everything that he's going to offer that offense as a runner, what is that going to do? It's going to make their run game with Elijah Mitchell a lot easier. 
because he's going to be a threat. And those overhang defenders are going to have to account for him on every play. In addition to just the simple shanty stuff, the play action stuff we talked about, play action, have your offense moving one way in the run game, flip your hips back, throw to line of scrimmage, and Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk will do the rest. And so I think that this team is going to be the best team. They're going to beat out the Rams for the tiebreaker with an extra win over them. Uh, and that that's kind of why I like the 49ers. Why do you like the 49ers over the Rams? Or we can even throw the Cardinals in that too. I like D'Amico Ryan as their defensive yes. coordinator. I like their defensive front a lot. I like uh, their offensive lines. Okay. I think it's better than the Rams. Mainly I, I look at the Rams, man. You lose Andrew Whitworth. That's a pretty big loss right yep. there. I like obviously the defensive pieces that they have, what Raheem Morris has done with, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and I still have the Rams making the playoffs. But ultimately, I, I think Kyle Shanahan will figure out a way to to grind games out. I think there's going to be some bumps for Trey Lance early in the season, but he'll end up figuring it out. I think you're going to get the most out of somebody like a Trey Lance. I do think, again, there's going to be like interceptions and some like incomplete passes. You have Jimmy Garoppolo waiting in the wings. I don't think he'll ultimately take over. But the one thing you mentioned that I think needs to be repeated is just how dominant and underrated D'Amico Ryans is as a defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. A lot of the film guys I follow to learn more about this game have broken down some of what D'Amico Ryans has done from a schematic standpoint, specifically what he did against Aaron Rodgers in their game in the NFC Championship last season, or not the NFC Championship, the divisional round where they upset the Packers. And man, we think we have an edge with Wink Martindale, and we do. I think the 49ers not only have an edge with D'Amico Ryans as defense coordinator, he may be at this point the best, if not one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Big reason why they're my pick. It also helps when you have Fred Warner as your middle linebacker. Having somebody who can literally carry the number three receiver in three by one sets is so big. It, it's insane. And he's not a liability whatsoever as a run defender. So like the personnel that they have, even guys like Drake Greenwall, who's lined up to be their weak side linebacker, like that is a good linebacker right there in the NFL. And we're not even mentioning some of the dudes up front, like Javon Kinlaw, they just drafted Drake Jackson. Like they could have one of the best pass rushing units in the league. I have my misses, Nick, <laughs> Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. I have my hits, Patrick Mahomes before anyone knew him, but Man, Fred Warner was one of them. I just was so sad the Giants didn't get him. I wrote about that, tweeted about it a bunch of times before the draft. I wanted him with that B.J. Hill pick. He's just such a rare-level athlete, and the upside was insane. And watching him at the college level, he was all over the place. You're right. He just gives them something that basically no other team has. It's a unicorn type of you know, attribute that he can add, like you said, to carry that receiver. So I'm with you there. Let's talk about the East because we got out and then we'll get to your surprise pick with the with the Saints. But let's talk about the East because we're both in on the Eagles winning this division over the Cowboys. They're even odds right now to win the division plus 145 plus 145. Um, that number's been dropping because Vegas is so sharp. They used to give you like plus 170 plus 170. It was like, screw everybody. Everybody's betting this. So what makes you confident the Eagles will beat the Cowboys out for the division? If you look at the rosters in the NFC East, the Eagles roster is so much better than everybody else's roster. And they add AJ Brown and they add James Bradbury and they draft Jordan Davis. And I think Jonathan Gannon's going to be able to get more out of his defense this year with those additions on the defensive side of the football, not to mention guys like Nicobe Dean and some of the dudes that they added to the second level of their defense. Even before the Tyron Smith injury, I thought it was obvious that the Eagles were, should have been favored to win the NFC East. And now they lose Tyron Smith, the Cowboys, and you're basically just banking on Dak Prescott because, like I said on previous podcasts, the defensive efficiency of the Dallas Cowboys last season was so damn good that it's hard to replicate. 
And I'm not certain if they're going to be able to have, what was it, nine defensive touchdowns or whatever the hell they ended up yeah. getting last season. So I think it's I think the Eagles should be the far and away favorite to win the division. I love your call that the Cowboys are due for defensive regression, like a crazy amount of regression, because I completely agree with that. And another thing I like is that you said, look, the Eagles roster, man, it, it's crazy how good that roster looks on paper. They have arguably the best young left tackle in the NFL. He's probably not the best yet because of Trent Williams, but he's probably the second best in Jordan Maialata. And I think Lane Johnson is the best right tackle in the NFL from everything I've seen. You correct me if there's a name, some other guys you might like more Nick, but I think Lane Johnson's one, two or three at worst. So they have the, like, just think about that. Then they also sound like they don't have good guards in a center. They have not only have a center in Jason Kelsey, they have a guy they drafted to be the next Jason Kelsey. It's absolutely insane how good their offensive line is. Someone tweeted about this today to me. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name, but they said the Eagles are essentially an offensive line factory. It's true. It's sad for us. And it's like, that's not it. They have two great corners in Slay and Bradbury. They have a defensive line. They have actually a decent second level. It's not amazing, but it's far better than what like a team like the Giants has. They have two sick receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Maybe you don't want to call Devontae Smith sick yet, but damn, we loved his evaluation. We talked about him all pre-trapped, how clean that eval was, how he kind of reminds you in some ways of Antonio Brown. All that and Dallas Goddard, who in my opinion is one of the five most talented tight ends in the NFL. Jalen Hurts isn't a great quarterback. I don't think either of us are high on Jalen Hurts. But the rest of that roster just seems so hard for them to lose the division. And yet I still think it's possible, Nick, because that's how important quarterback is, right? Like regression coming for Dallas defense. Their O-line is falling down. Their receivers are not with anywhere close to what they used to be with Gallup coming off the pop and maybe Gimpy and, you know, obviously Amari Cooper gone there too. But Dak Prescott is the quarterback versus Jalen Hurts. And we know we've learned enough in the NFL, Nick, that quarterback's almost everything. And I'm going to say this because I don't think enough people give Dak Prescott credit for how good he actually is. I would take maybe, and we can't tell everybody because Tom Brady's playing at the age of 45. We can't say too many people, I should say, but maybe three, four, five quarterbacks over Dak Prescott from a post-snap vision, post-snap processing standpoint. That, to me, it's been debated back and forth. Is this a skill? Is this something you can learn? Can you get better at it? I honestly feel like, for the most part, it's just natural how these quarterbacks see the field at the snap. It's happening so quick. They don't have much time. They have to be really good at it. And he is really, really good at that. He's good pre-snap, like a lot of quarterbacks, but he's really good at post-snap recognition. Yeah, I love Dak Prescott. I think he's wildly underrated, but I think the Eagles are the team to beat here, even with all that. There's just so much negativity surrounding that team right now in Dallas, man. They... Follow some of their beat people. It's it's, it's funny. Like, like you're gonna have a guard start at tackle right now. Now you, he was a tackle at Tulsa. From a technical standpoint, he has Trevor Penning written all over him. Speaking of Trevor Penning, we can nice segue over there to the New Orleans Saints. Well, no, I like that call by the way because I think that's gonna be a big issue for Dallas as well. I don't think I think when we both looked at that Tyler Smith film, I liked him a lot because I thought he was gonna be just a guard and I thought he could do great as a guard. I definitely had issues of trying to penning, penning him out to tackle and seeing if he's not going to get all those penalties. But speaking of penning and speaking of the Saints, your pick, who now lost penning, by the way, and Darren Armstead, that's a big surprise pick, essentially, out of you. So give me your take on why the Saints can beat out the Bucks for the division. 
it is a big surprise pick and I'm not fully confident in it, but I can see a realistic path to where this can happen, mainly because the New Orleans Saints have owned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the regular season. They've just owned Tom Brady. They, they defeat him all the time unless it's a playoff game, apparently, because they lost in the playoffs, I think, two years ago when the Bucs won the Super Bowl. But I love their offensive additions. Like, I don't know what to expect, Dan, from Michael Thomas, but Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry, those are two really solid players, huge upgrades over Marquez Callaway and, and players like Deontay Hardy, who changed his name. You get Jameis Winston back. I think Jameis Winston, he's a fine quarterback when he's playing within the confines of the offense. We know he can be a little reckless dating back to his days when he was playing for Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers. But I think the system of having Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry kind of operate in the middle of the field. Chris Olave, you can use him as a deep threat as well to stretch. And then you have Alvin Kamara underneath being just, you know, the, not a bell cow back, but he is a three down back. You can mix in Mark Ingram here and there. I would say a solid overall NFL offense, but I think their offensive line is one of the better offensive lines in the league. And then their freaking defense, man. They just traded away Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but they still have a stacked defense. Look at this secondary right here, man. Marshawn Lattimore, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Paulson Adebo, Bradley Roby, like PJ Williams. Those are all names of above average to good NFL defenders. Not to mention up front, you have Cameron Jordan. You signed Tano Passanio. David Onyemata is healthy right now. Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson. I just think their defense is so good and their offense isn't a huge liability. When you put both of those things together, I think it's, it's a solid marriage. And I think they can win some games. But mostly, man, I look at the Buccaneers. They've had a lot of negativity surrounding them with this Tom Brady weird situation. And that's that's whatever. But you have injuries to Chris Godwin, who's going to be coming back. Russell Gage has been dealing with all these, all these injuries. And then you have the offensive line that's been really dinged up. I like their defense, too. And I like Todd Bowles as a football mind. I can see a path to where the Saints win this division. I don't think it's crazy to assume that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying from all those standpoints. It's so funny to me. The Saints were able to sign Tyron Matthew. You mentioned Honey Badger. This was uh, year 12 in a row of or no, 2012. This was the 11th year of the Saints being in a quote unquote cap hell. They were in cap hell in 2012 when they made Jairus Bird the highest paid safety of all time. I believe I read something last year like the Saints are heading into this past offseason 125 million over the cap or some bullshit, some BS. Well, I guess they could still find a way to sign Tyron Matthew. <laughs> Little to me. I don't know how this cap works. I'll be honest. At this point, I'm just giving up on the cap. People talking about the cap, I defer to the people who know. I think Pat Trina has a decent grip on it. I don't think anybody has a good grip on the cap, to be completely honest with you. I think that it's incredibly complicated. I'm just going to say this. And I think there's a lot of maneuvering with it, to be completely honest, based on what the Saints and Eagles have done over the years, including the Cowboys. There's a ton of teams that can be included on that list, by the way. If you think about that, though, too, man, like I just feel like they're just so progressive in their way of thinking because they keep kicking the cap can down the line. But you can keep doing that when the NFL keeps expanding the cap because of the TV deals and everything. Every year, the cap has gone up. And then you had the COVID year, which was like, oh, crap, what is that going to do with these teams that keep kicking the can down the road? It seems like it didn't hurt them that bad. Because the Eagles just added AJ yeah, Brown. Exactly. The Saints keep signing people. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that plays into it. But you're right, man. The cap is pretty complex. It's so complicated. I still can't get a good grip on it. And think about it from the actual GM standpoint. I always find this funny, right? If you're Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM, you could keep kicking that cap down the road really into bad spots. Like, eventually, this is supposed to be really bad for the Saints at some point, right? 
And then it's like, by the time that happens, you're fired and you leave it all to the next guy. Kind of like Gettleman did with Joe Shane here, right? Like, doesn't even <laughs> think, who can't, what do you care about the cap once you're no longer the GM? doesn't affect you anymore. You don't need that. You don't, Actually, it's kind of better for you if the next GM does bad. Then it's like, ah, look, we kind of miss Mickey Loomis, right? We kind of miss Dave Gettleman. Like, ah, yeah, look at Joe Shane. He's doing such a bad job. He can't see us a cup Blake. He can't keep Bradbury. So, you know, it's interesting to me from that standpoint as well. Think about how the Eagles locked up Carson Wentz to a huge deal and it was going to kill him. Right. And somehow Howie Roseman got out of that deal and got significant draft compensation Ugh. back. The Carson Sick. Wentz trades over the past. I have no clue what the NFL season Carson Wentz, other than that he's six foot seven or whatever he is, six, five and a half and kind of, and does have good arm talent when, at least when he's throwing on platform. And I guess he's a hard worker. <laughs> like, the Wentz stuff is crazy. Like he, he did have an MVP season. He used to be a great quarterback, but he's so broken now. It's like every time I watch Wentz uh, and I try to put the tape on of him, I'm like, this dude is not accurate at all. And I don't like people keep saying the football team has their biggest upgrade ever at quarterback for Terry McLaurin. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Kind of think Heineke's a little bit better because Heineke runs around and he makes plays and he just. I'll say just this: Brett Favre's uh, out there. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Brett Favre out there. Wentz can make the throws outside the numbers that Heineke yes. can't. And I think that's really important, especially that's where Terry likes to operate. But can he do so it consistently is the question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's why. I, do it. Yeah. He definitely has the arm talent because Heineke couldn't. And we watched yeah, it, man. Great. Xavier McKinney almost picked that pass off. Remember yeah. uh, late in the season, that ball just died up there. It was just <laughs> hanging up there. McKinney almost came down with it. McLaurin had to turn himself into a defender to, to get the uh, PBU essentially. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Let's move past to our wild card picks for the NFC. So give me your wild card picks first. Yeah, so for the wild card, the fifth seed, I have the Buccaneers. I, I think that's going to be a neck and neck. It could be even like a same record type of situation where the Saints just have the edge because they defeated them in the regular season. The Rams at six. Then I had the Vikings squeaking in there. I think the Vikings offense is due for an upgrade with Kevin O'Connell coming in. You have Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. I still think Adam Thielen has a little bit left in the tank. And I think KJ Osborne could be in for a little bit of a mini breakout because we assume that they're going to use a lot more 11 personnel than they did when Mike Zimmer was the coach. I just have a little bit of concern about their defense, the defensive side of the football just in general. Last year it was, wasn't really that great. This year, I don't really think they had significant upgrades. I would have to double check that, and I probably will once you start talking here. But the defense I'm a little worried about, but I think they squeak into the playoffs, the Vikings. Okay, so my five through seven is... So I'll, I'll first, I'll just respond to that real quick. I kind of like the Vikings. I'm not really so. This is my weird take of the year, Nick. Okay. It affected my whole fantasy outlooks as well. One, I think not enough is being made of the fact that Clint Kubiak was not a bad offensive coordinator and his system kind of worked not only for Dalvin Cook, but potentially better for Justin Jefferson. Everyone thinks Justin Jefferson is going to be even better in the system. Are we sure now they're going to use a lot more 11 personnel? Like they had some pretty defined 12 personnel looks with Cope with Kubiak. And that's one fewer receiver on the field, much better chance for Jefferson to get the ball. Also much better chance for him to be isolated in routes where it's easier for him to get open. And I feel like Dalvin cook. It's a similar thing. He was much better in that Kubiak style blocking system. And now he goes to, I know the Ram, the Rams, Connell is going to use some similar type concept, but it's not the same. Everything in that Kubiak system is predicated on the zone outside zone blocking scheme, similar to a Shanahan, similar to a, you know, back in the day, like a Gary Kubiak. So I'm not sold on that. And I think that Vikings defense, man, isn't, and I like the Vikings off the line. So I'll give them that. I think that Vikings defense is a work in progress and it's going to take a long time. 
So that's kind of my take on why I don't like the Vikings. My teams I went with were the f- at five seed. I went with the Cowboys. This is mostly Dak based and mostly Micah Parsons based and mostly schedule based. Schedule. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> According to uh, Sharp Football Analysis, who I think does the best strength of schedule forecasting, because instead of doing it the dumb way, like you see across the board on NFL.com or wherever you see it, like, oh, well, last year their win totals were this. These are the strength of schedules. Now, that that's stupid. Why the hell do we care about last year's win total? That doesn't factor in any offseason movement in free agency or the draft. What Warren Sharp does does is he, for a basis of strength schedule based on Vegas forecasted win totals, the only thing that matters because Vegas is really freaking good at projecting these wins and losses for these teams. So they have the 10th easiest schedule according to Vegas win-loss totals. The Eagles have the second easiest. Giants have the first easiest schedule according to the Vegas win-loss totals. And that's why I give the Cowboys the five. My sixth seed is the Rams, still a really good team. Seventh seed for me is the Cardinals, who I know you're not as high on. See, I'm out here in the Valley, and <laughs> all they do is talk about the Cardinals. And I actually listen to it. I find it pretty entertaining. And, and I do look at their defense, and I'm like, what the heck are you doing on the defensive side of the football? You spent two draft picks on Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. And like, they're, like, I think Simmons is going to have a significant role this year. But what the hell are you doing with Zayvon Collins? The secondary is a little bit unfortunate because Jeff Gladney passed away during the offseason after they signed him. And then Antonio Hamilton had a cooking accident and he burned himself and he's going to be out for like four weeks. So I'm not certain on what you're doing with that defense. You have JJ Watt, but like what star power do you have? JJ Watt's a little bit long in the tooth at this point. And then on offense, Cliff Kingsbury is your play caller. Like Cliff Kingsbury is very unimaginative. Doesn't move his receivers around a lot. And I like the up-tempo type of attitude of the Arizona Cardinals. There comes a time where you have to adjust, and I feel like the NFL always figures them out. They start off hot, they figure them out, and then yeah. they just don't adapt. So Kyler Murray is such a talent that he could rise above the ashes here, but I'm not too confident in, in their prospects. This is the one I feel the least confident in by far. I almost went with the Saints. I think you especially might be right because you have a nice pulse on this team. I hate Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL on a game to game, like on a in game situation basis. So that doesn't make me feel confident. I do like Kyler Murray a lot as a quarterback. I will say that. And I do really like that Vance Joseph system that they have going there. And I like the continuity from that standpoint, at least from a schematic standpoint on both sides of the ball. But I don't feel confident based on all the things you said. I almost went with the Saints here, but I don't like their left tackle situation. And I'm not huge on Jameis. Outside of the Saints and the Cardinals, it was hard for me to find a team that makes any sense at all here. That's how weak the NFC is compared to the AFC. I mean, I, I considered to a point like the Lions who could surprise people, but I just don't think they're ready for it yet either. And again, I'm not high on the Vikings. So for me, it was Cardinals or Saints, and I, I kind of default over the Cardinals. If yeah, the Lions ahead. do put it all together, though, Dan, they are playing the NFC East. Right. They can beat up on the Giants, possibly. Well, the Giants can win it's that game. It's easiest schedule per Warren Sharp, the Lions. Exactly. Then they play the AFC East. So you have to deal with the Bills and eat that chalk right there. But like the Jets, that's a winnable game. Miami, they're, they're better this year, but you could still win that football game. The thing bounced right for you. So the Lions could be that sneaky sleeper team in the NFC. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's. Give me your seeds one through seven. We didn't do seeding. I want to do your seeding one through seven, then I'll give mine and then play out your, your NFC playoffs. Yeah, for seeding, I have the Packers at one, Eagles at two, 49ers at three, Saints at four, Buccaneers at five, Rams at six, Vikings at seven. Okay, I got Packers one, Bucks two, same there. Eagles three, or no, you had Eagles two. Eagles three, 49ers four, Cowboys five, Rams six, Cardinals seven. All right, let me hear how the playoffs play out for you. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Okay, the Eagles take on the Vikings and the Eagles defeat them just like they did in the 2017 NFC Championship game. 49ers defeat the Rams. The Buccaneers take down the Saints. Ah, playoff football. Tom Brady rises to the occasion and actually figures out a way to get past that potent defense. And then I have the Packers over the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers finally puts it together and wins a damn game in the playoffs. Eagles over the 49ers. And then I have the Packers over the Eagles. Packers going to the Super Bowl. Okay. I got the Bucks as the two seed over the seven Cardinals for a lot of reasons we went over. I don't really feel good about the Cardinals. I just had to put them there. I got the Rams as the six seed upsetting the Eagles three seed. I think that's going to be a fun game. I have the 49ers in a rematch with the Cowboys in the four five and the 49ers winning that as well. Then I have another upset coming in round two in the divisional round. The six seed Rams after beating the three seed Eagles, beating the one seed Packers there as well in Lambeau. I just think that Stafford has a nice little edge there in that matchup, and he could play in that kind of cold weather. Then I have, uh, after that, I have the Bucks beating the 49ers, and I got the Bucks as the two-seat over the Rams in a rematch from a playoff game last year where if they didn't start slow, they would have won that game because Brady got so insanely hot. I'll say this because we talked a little earlier about your take on the Bucks uh, and the Saints. The reason I have the Bucks coming out of this conference is I understand there's been a lot of negativity surrounding them, this offseason, especially with the injury on the interior injuries on the interior offensive line. But man, when you start to count out Tom Brady, what yeah. usually happens, Nick? Like anytime you count out Tom Brady, he makes you pay. And if you look at some of the stats last year, dude, it's absolutely insane what Tom Brady did. He destroyed the league in first downs when, the, when he was blitz, just lapped 
all over every other quarterback. He lapped quarterbacks in, in, in downfield targets and downfield throws, uh, not only percentage from a percentage based standpoint, but from a yard standpoint on those long throws. You cannot defeat this dude. As someone that I wrote that I read wrote about recently, he's basically a cyborg out there. He's a robot playing quarterback. You can't blitz him. There's no coverages he hasn't seen. He's seen it all. He processes it all insanely fast, and he gets the ball to the right spot. One of the things I love about Brady is, which is why I don't really ever harp on like too many of their fantasy guys and get too attached to them, is he just throws to the open guy. He's not trying to feed targets to a certain player. He's not trying to have guys consistently win matchups. And I think Julio Jones is going to be an insanely underrated addition for them. I wanted him in all fantasy drafts I was in this year. Love the Julio Jones edition for them. I think people are just so, so done with Julio Jones. Oh, he's done. He sucks. What? He was really efficient two years ago. And if you look at his per game numbers, of the Titans before the injury, he was actually super efficient there in a run heavy offense with a Mac quarterback and Ryan Tannehill. Now he has Tom Brady. So between that and Todd Bowles, who I think is a top five, maybe top 10 defensive coordinator, Antoine Winfield, one of the best safeties in the NFL and everything that they have in addition to that on the defensive line. And even at, and honestly, at linebacker, I still think this team is awesome. So that's that's my pick to represent the NFC. Hey, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I mean, you bet against Tom Brady, you typically lose. I, yeah. I think the the issues in the interior parts of their offensive line yes. could catch up to them. That's the one way, as Giant fans know, you defeat Tom Brady is to get pressure directly into his face. But it's easier said than done, especially when you have someone as quick in terms of processing as Tom Brady. All right, let's do AFC predictions. Give me first your division winners. Yeah, Dan. So for division winners, I have the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, the AFC South, the Colts, the AFC North, the Ravens, and then the AFC West. Very difficult, but I went with the Chargers. Oh, I love these picks. We are in line across the board, except for the North, where I have the Bengals. And look, I understand there is regression coming for this Bengals team. They did a lot of things that are hard to repeat from a from a pure, like, just pure regression standpoint when you look at it from the math standpoint. But I've seen these blueprints where a team does what they did in the offseason, which was make massive upgrades to their offensive line. And I just feel like that's the way to do it, man. I love the Lel Collins sign. I think he's one of the best right tackles in the NFL, maybe top 10 on the fringe, maybe. But I think he's well inside the top 10. Some people might say even top five there. I think they improved on the interior offensive line. I think Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Jamar Chase, obviously one of the best young receivers. They go three deep at receiver. I think Hayden Hurst is going to be an advantage for them too. I like that addition as well. Defensively, that's where the regression can come. But a lot of people like what they do schematically there. Former Giants coach there, Lou Anaromo. Um, obviously, they still might be a little weak at corner, but and there is regression coming. But given that and just how well they match up against the Ravens, what we saw last year when they just torched them, and that style of defense. Now, the Ravens' defense will be a little bit different without Wink Martindale, but I think it's going to be somewhat similar at its core. And my other thing is I have a lot of I, – I wasn't heavy on Ravens in fantasy this year besides Bateman, who I just think is an absolute steal. Nick, because – just from a target volume standpoint, but mostly because I feel like that offensive line has been going downhill for a while, and no one's talking about it. One, Ronnie Stanley since the injury may not be Ronnie Stanley anymore. Two, Marshall Yonder retired. They didn't really replace him. And it's kind of like, all right, whatever, we'll move on. Like they've added Zeitler, but like, and he's okay, but he's not Marshall Yonder. And lastly, Tyler Linderbaum, who they actually did draft because they never go too long without trying to upgrade that line. They're a smart team, is injured and was injured at camp. He may be back sooner than I expected. I haven't looked for this podcast and an update, but he's injured and he might be playing injured and he might not make it back in time to have had those reps to get in there early on. So I have some questions about the Ravens offensive line. 
I think they're fair, but man, they just attack depth. Yeah. And I know some of these players have been in the NFL and maybe don't have the best tape. And some of them are rookies like Daniel Fialele, but they also signed Juwan James. It's a pretty solid swing tackle right. right there to step up. If Ronnie Stanley gets injured or if Morgan Moses gets injured, he could play left side. He could play right side. I liked Ben Powers when he was at Oklahoma. I liked Ben Cleveland when he was at Georgia. And you can kind of interchange them at left guard. And then I also thought Patrick McCarry did a solid job for them at center. And now you have Tyler Lindebaum, who I believe is healthy. I know he had the foot issue, but I believe he's healthy with Zeitler. I think it's a better offensive line than probably the Giants have right now. I still Definitely think it's a top, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, top half offensive line. So I'm not too worried about that. Okay. I, I would say I'm a little bit more worried about who is their receiving options behind, you know, Rashad Bateman, who you're putting a lot on right. outside of the tight ends. I mean, you're talking about using 12 personnel packages with Isaiah Likely, and Isaiah Likely is going to be a huge part of what you want to do. I'm fine with that. But Isaiah Likely, who I liked, is a freaking rookie out of Coastal Carolina, I believe it was. So. That, that there's a, that's not a conventional way to go about things. I think it's safe to say, especially when you'll also have a J.K. Dobbins injury. Those are my worries about the Ravens, but I still have them winning the North. All those are substantiated. Okay, give me uh, give me your wild card picks for the AFC. Yeah, so for the wild card, I have the Chiefs. I mean, it's kind of hard not to go with the Chiefs. I wanted to pick them for the division. I end up going them. The wild card, I think their record similar to what I said in the NFC will be similar to the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Broncos. Let's ride. Yeah, I actually have the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Broncos. Let's ride. Um, so basically, it's the same picks we have, except we just we literally have the same thing, except we swap out division winners with the Bengals and Ravens, but both teams end up making the wild card. They don't make the division for us. Give us the seeding for you, though, because I think that's where mine will be different than yours. I have a very surprised one seed. Okay, cool. So I have the Bills as the one, so mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't have that. The Chargers as the two. The Colts as the three. Ravens as the four. Chiefs is the five, Bengals is the six, Broncos is the seven. Do you have the Colts as the one? I have the Colts as the one, Nick. So my case for the Colts as the one is one, according to the sharp analysis, they have the third easiest schedule in the NFL versus my other division winners like the Bills who come in as the 18th easiest. We're just going to go by easiest because it's easier to remember if we keep it. So third easiest versus 18th, the Chargers who come in, I think they have an even more, no, they have the 20th easiest schedule. So one of the harder ones. And then obviously the last one being the Bengals with the 26th easiest. So a lot of hard schedules and then an easy one for the Colts. I also think that this could be pretty similar to what we saw with the Titans last year, getting that one seed, as you'll see when I break down the playoffs. But I like everything about this Colts team. I bet a heavy amount on them to win this division right here. And the only other competition to me even seems like the Titans. I like Matt Ryan, man. I know people are down on Ryan. They think he's completely cooked. I think it's easy to look cook when you're on that crap Falcons team. The Falcons offensive line hasn't been great lately. Like they did draft a shit ton of guys. They drafted two first rounders in one year. Only one of them worked out. The other sucks. And then they tried to add another interior guy and he's not great either. And at left tackle, even like Khalil, it's not even like he's that good. They don't even have that good of a situation at left tackle and the right tackle situation sucks. And so I think he's getting a massive offensive line upgrade. I think he's more importantly getting a massive coaching upgrade going from Smith to Frank Wright. In addition to that, he has Jonathan Taylor and a run game that he hasn't had since Michael uh, Turner was there. And he had one of his best seasons there. Or even if you date back before that, when it, during his MVP season with Kyle Shanahan, when he had the run game going there with Devonta Freeman. Notice I said Devonta. Or no, I meant Devonte. Wow, I almost screwed that up. Wow, yeah, you just proved my point. Much. Jeez. No, it is Devonte. Everyone knows that. He even said it once on an NFL broadcast. But What does he know? 
no, he knows his own name. But <laughs> when he had that going, so I think he's gonna have that going. I really like what they do both schematically and from the personnel they've added on the defensive side of the ball. Just think everything's there in place for Matt Ryan to have a bounce back season. So they're my one seed. And so I got the Bills as my two seed, Nick. The Chargers is my three. The Bengals is my four. The Chiefs, Ravens, Broncos. So let's get to the playoffs. I'll start with mine this time. I got the two seed Bills over the seven seed Broncos. The three seed Chargers over the six seed Ravens. So, so far, a lot more chalk than I had in the NFC. I have the Chiefs as the five seed upsetting, quote unquote, the Bengals in Cincinnati there. And then things start to get interesting for me. I have the Chiefs as the five seed going into India, Indianapolis and absolutely torching things on that turf and winning that football game. Then I have the Bills as a two seed over the Chargers, a rematch of last year's game with the Chiefs and the Bills, though this time in the conference championship. And despite them having to go into the cold, something Pat Mahomes has actually done a good job of because he plays in Kansas City, I have the Chiefs coming out of that game as well. So I ultimately end up with a Super Bowl, Nick, and you, you could finish yours out too after this. A Super Bowl matchup that will be the Chiefs versus the Bucks, a rematch of two years ago, this time with the Chiefs offensive line in just absolutely much better shape. It's one of the reasons I love the Chiefs so much. Not only did they add so much down to their offensive line over the last basically year, it was just one year. They got Creed Humphrey, who you think might be at this point the best center in the NFL. He's certainly one of them. They got the dude that I'm now blanking on from Tennessee, who we, Trey Smith, who was just a total breakout of guard for them. Some people are like, I listen to Brandon Thorne talk about Trey Smith. I don't know if you heard him. He was on the uh, the Leviton Silva established the run pockets. He's like, he thinks Trey Smith could be one of the best guards in the NFL, which is crazy to think about, like as far as what he can do, especially as a run blocker. So they somehow hit on both of those rookies. They also had a Joe Thune. who's like one of the best guards, established guards in the NFL. Marquise Brown as well. I mean, this line is insanely good. So this time I think the Chiefs will actually beat the Bucs and be the Super Bowl champions. Okay, so for the AFC, I have the Chargers over the Buccaneers, Bengals over the Colts, okay. Chiefs over the Ravens, and then I have the Bills over the Chiefs. All those offseason moves that the Bills make, they finally pay off. Because yeah. if they didn't, man, could you imagine just how depressed you would be as, if you were Brandon Bean? You made all these moves. like Everything they do is to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and if they lost in the playoffs, that, that would suck, especially after last year. Chargers over the Bengals, and then the Bills over the Chargers, pitting the Packers against the Bills in the Super Bowl, and it's the Bills' year they win. So you got Bills-Packers, Bills winning. I got Chiefs-Bucks with Chiefs winning. Those are the Big Blue Banther playoffs, division winners, and Super Bowl predictions for the 2022 season. Keep it locked and loaded if you enjoy this. We'll be back on the next show with some over-unders for season-long win totals.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.